Hey everyone, this is Dave Korsunsky from Data Driven Health Radio. On this show, we look at how individuals are empowering themselves and using data to transform the way they manage their health. We interview the health experts and the scientists that will help you understand and interpret the data. We speak with the entrepreneurs who are building the tools and the technology that are allowing us to quantify our health in novel and powerful ways. And most importantly, we speak to the individuals who are beating the odds on everything from cancer to diabetes to weight loss and general health and wellness. This show is brought to you by Aura. They make a state-of-the-art ring that can track sleep cycle analysis, activity, and recovery. You can learn more about this product at headsuphealth.com Aura. That's O-U-R-A. This show is also brought to you by our good friends over at Keto Mojo. They are making a highly accurate and highly affordable device for testing blood sugar and blood ketones. Check it out at headsuphealth.com slash ketomojo. And lastly, the show is brought to you by Level. They are making a clinical-grade breath ketone analyzer, which measures your level of fat burning and ketosis through a simple breath. You can learn more at headsuphealth.com slash level. That's L-E-V-L. All of these amazing products are integrated with Heads Up Health. They all allow you to quantify your health in novel and powerful ways. So check them out. Thank you to our sponsors. Welcome to our show, and let's get into it. Welcome to Data Driven Health Radio. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Data Driven Health Radio. And I have the great privilege today of speaking with Alex Swanson, who is the founder and CEO of Nutrition Genome. And this is an incredibly exciting area of consumer testing. There are multiple applications around the work Alex's company is doing around mental health, around cancer, around disease diagnoses. And it's just going to be a really, really intriguing and fun and exciting conversation. Alex, we got introduced by our mutual colleague, Dr. Nasha Winters, who is doing work with cancer patients using a number of different interventions. Your test is a huge component of her methodology, so she was kind enough to connect us. And I'm really, really grateful for you to be here and really excited to dive into the topic of nutrigenomics and the work that's being done at your company. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Looks like, as I mentioned before we started, you're up in, a, in an idyllic little spot there in Bend, Oregon. I can see the trees in the background and the sunlight. I'm up here in Truckee, California. So we're kindred spirits just in terms <laughs> of the, the type of uh, environment that we feel brings out our best work. We both came from the Bay Area as well, right? Yes, so, we yeah. did. Rejects from the Bay Area. We had, a, <laughs> we had a good run there and now we're like, I need to zen out for a little while. Exactly. My company from a place that can help me rejuvenate as a human being because these challenges that we collectively take on as entrepreneurs are immense. And I don't know, is, is that part of how you feel? Is that living up there in Bend is a way just to make sure that you're rejuvenating your spirit and your body and, and also giving you the ability to focus. That's how I feel up here in Truckee, personally. 
Yeah, I think it was, I was looking at it, I want to practice what I preach. And, mm -hmm. you know, what we preach is epigenetics. So that's yep. not only your diet, your exercise, but that's your environment. Yeah. And your environment plays a huge role in how you feel. I mean, just in terms of physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of those things, I think, reflect your environment. Awesome. And I wanted to make sure that we were in a place that we felt balanced. My wife and I felt balanced. Yeah. You know, if, if we're going to work really hard, then we should be in a place that actually offsets that too. 100%. That's exactly how I feel. I think every bar, coffee shop, and restaurant in Truckee is pretty much sick of me rolling in with my laptop <laughs> and then posting up and doing work. Yeah. I'm like, man, I just, I, I feel great. I, I feel rejuvenated here. I can really, really focus on what I, I need to do. Anyhow, I digress. I would love it if you can give us an overview on, on your company, Nutrition Genome. So let's start off and level set here before we build on the conversation. Sure. What are you guys working on over there? So just a background on nutrition genome, I, uh, I had a clinical nutrition practice for 12 years, um, and my mom's actually a nutritionist, so I'm a second-generation nutritionist, and so I grew up genes. in the genes, right? So it's, it's been epigenetically changed for me that this is what I'm gonna be, I was going to be doing with my life. Absolutely. I love it. But, uh, you know, over those years, we saw cases just get more and more difficult, more challenging, and harder kind of crack. The disorders didn't really have any clear pattern. Um, before, you know, they were a little more clear cut as to what it was. And now there were so many different angles to it. So many different pathways involved that they became these kind of mystery disorders. So nobody really knew what they had. Interesting. And uh, I think it's this combination of, you know, burning the candle at both ends, mm -hmm. poor diet, poor environment, just kind of a perfect storm coming together with people. And that's when I started looking towards genetics about five years ago. I started checking out these software programs that were looking at genes and showing how these different variants in genes really alter the way you respond to things in your diet, respond to foods in your diet, respond to your environment, to stress. You know, we all respond differently. And it started to make sense of that. And what fascinated me was when I started kind of mapping out the pathways involved in these genes and collecting this database, I was, also, I was starting to get answers that I couldn't get before. I started having these explanations to these disorders, how they have basically had these patterns throughout the family and how they manifested. And I could give answers to them and then, you know, in a sense, give better solutions. Concrete, tangible, something you can point at and say, this makes a lot of sense. This is not anecdotal. This, right. is, this is something where we've definitively identified something concrete, whereas there was nothing really to go on before with a lot of these cases. Exactly. Yeah. And so it allowed you to, to look at genetics, line up biomarkers, line up family history, and all of a sudden everything fell into place. Yep. And you could just point and people were really excited about the information because they felt like empowered by it. You know, they felt like they finally had answers to things and an understanding mm -hmm. that they didn't before. It's a lot of them look at their blood work and they don't really know what it means. Yep. But when you start understanding it from this biochemical pathway involved in your genes, it all of a sudden starts to click as to, okay, this is why I have a higher need for omega-3s. This is why my vitamin D levels are lower. That's the next piece of the puzzle. I mean, I'm just looking at my labs today. I work with uh, Dr. Grace Liu. She sent me for my labs and I'm a total nerd. So I'm like checking the website like every five minutes waiting for like the next little test to show up in my yeah. profile. I totally nerd out on that stuff, but I'm looking at labs in isolation. Part of the reason I built Heads Up Health was because I realized that the lifestyle data was missing. Mm -hmm. So that's what we wanted to do was, okay, what's happening in my lifestyle? Let me put that next to my blood tests. Mm -hmm. And then 
the third piece of this puzzle is when you can then line up the genetics and then you have something incredibly powerful. Yeah, and it, it really is a, a blueprint. That's how I look at genetics because the DNA is fixed, but the, the epigenome is flexible. So what that means is essentially when you get a, a nutrition genome report and you see these gene variants, that's the same from birth on. Yep. But the expression changes throughout your life. And if you understand what positively expresses this gene negatively, you can make decisions based on that information. And you start to see that reflected in the biomarkers, reflected in symptoms, reflected in just how you feel in general. Yep. So dumb question here. And so you, you mentioned the DNA is fixed, but, mm -hmm. but it's the expression that changes in response to different triggers, environmental, lifestyle, et cetera. So with, within the nutrition genome test, are you measuring both the expression and, and the genes themselves? So we can only measure the genes themselves, the, the actual SNPs as they're called, the gene yep. variants. Mm -hmm. And then our research looks at those genes and says, this is how this expression is altered or changed. And so if you start seeing these certain things occurring you know, with your own health, you can see how these genes are being affected. So you know what influences the genes, and when you see that when you see the SNP, and, and, and the research tells us what levers we can pull, then mm -hmm. you pull on those levers, and, and you look for changes in other areas, lab markers, et cetera. Am I understanding exactly. that correctly? Yeah, and then you kind of take that, and you start looking at all the genes in those pathways. So we, we make sure we don't isolate one gene, say yep. one gene, one disease, but yep. we look at all of these genes together and how they're working together. That's incredible. Okay. Yeah. So if I understand that correctly, then again, this is, this is um, noob questions here, but I assume there's a lot of noob listeners. So mm -hmm. are there situations with nutrition genome where you would then ever need to do another test? No, actually. I mean, essentially you do the one test, but what we, you can do is you start basically monitoring those biomarkers. Mm -hmm. You start seeing improvements and then we keep adding new research and new genes. I understand. So once you're in, kind of in the system, you start getting updates, you start understanding it on this deeper level. Yep. Okay, cool. So that would be through the web portal then, presumably, mm -hmm. where a lot right. of the updated information is coming in. So you're constant, you, you get that one baseline analysis, mm -hmm. but what you know on that baseline continues to grow and expand as more research is done, as, as the machine learning starts to uncover more, more uh, areas that were previously unknown. So you continue to derive more value from this one base sample over time. Yeah. And, and what we tell people is, you know, this is a book on you yep. and you want to take your time. You want to go chapter to chapter with it because yep. we still have people years later saying they're still learning things from the report, yep. go back to it. And they're like, yep. Oh wow, I didn't realize this. I started yep. this research. So it's yep. a lot to ingest at first, but over time you become an expert in your own health. Well, the day when you've got 5 million samples in there and you've got a bunch of AI going in and figuring exactly. it all out is, is just game changing. That's the next phase, right? Yeah, cool. Yeah. So second generation nutritionist, obviously intimately, deeply familiar with the connection between food and health and just embodying that throughout your family and, and your career. What prompted you to say, okay, I'm ready to go out and build a company. There was clearly a need in the market that caused you to make that leap. Yeah, I think what it was is I believed so much in what I was seeing in terms of the genetic side of nutrition, the nutrigenomic side, mm -hmm. that I realized that this is the absolute future of nutrition as a field. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think nutrition as a field can exist without the nutrigenomic component, without the epigenomic component, because yep. all these years that I've spent looking at different diets and why one person responds great to this one, the next person responds horribly to it, and we just kind of put our hands up. We're just like, yep. well, it wasn't for you. 
Yep. Now we know why it wasn't for yep. you. Yep. And now we're bringing in this ancestral component, knowing where you're from, your migration roots over thousands of years. These are all have accumulated to essentially create you and your diet and the environment that you thrive in. Yeah. And when you understand that, it's, it is game changing. It's life changing. Yep. So you understand, okay, uh, I'm from Northern Europe where it's colder. There was more fat. I do better on those types of diets. I'm, you know, had a migration route that was closer to the equator, higher plant-based foods, more folate was required. That's what my body likes. And it yep. starts to make sense. There's such a need for this information to permeate the rest of the society. It will quickly end the futile debates out there about my diet versus your diet, which is add absolutely no value to humanity other than just like stressing out people who get into these battles on, on, on message boards and Facebook about why this works and this doesn't. Uh, so yeah, as soon as we realize there's this whole other level that ha that we've largely been blind to that's going to to change a lot of the conversation. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the entrepreneur. Tell us about starting a company. How how did that work? I mean, it's non-trivial to go start a company that's going to be doing DNA analysis. Can you can you share a little bit about that path for the uh, aspiring entrepreneurs out there? Yeah, so the way Nutrition Genome actually, you know, it actually started about five years ago, but I think it, it really took off around, I want to say it was August of 2017. And the reason was that we were using files from 23andMe. So we, I had created the software and we were running these separate DNA files through our software. And there's a number of them that will look number for different them. things out there. You pump, you pump your raw data into this one. It, it gives you some information. You pump it into that one. It gives you some information. So you were an application kind of like riding on top of 23andMe. Yeah. And cool. uh, the reason I had it made was to make my life easier because I was spending eight hours per client doing these by hand because yeah, I wanted to She spends way. five hours per client doing this yeah. stuff by hand. So it's like, how do I fix my... I don't fix this problem so I can see yeah. more clients. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm like, this is not sustainable. And so I actually created it for my own work so I could work better. Yeah. And that turned into doctors asking if they could use it. They started using it in their practice and we got a great response. And what happened in August, 2017 was that 23andMe removed a lot of genes yep. from their, their file. And there were a lot of genes that we found to be important for our report. Yeah, you needed and those. And that's when it was the exact timing. It was really funny timing that that happened because my brother-in-law just came on as a partner mm -hmm. right before this happened. And we both decided to are like, you know what? We need to get our own lab. We need to get our own DNA kits. We need to take control of this so we have more control over our destiny of the company. Do you know uh, why they did that, Alex? I mean, I know they've had legal troubles or, and stuff like that, but clearly it wasn't a legal reason because you're able to... to, to uh provide that information so they never released any kind of statement as to why so i don't want to speculate sure um, but that's cool from my knowledge yep. yeah they, they haven't said why they did it got it okay so there's um, a huge need in the market then this, this data yeah. is no longer available it, it's it's necessary for for the types of treatments you want to provide other clinicians want this Mm -hmm. So did, did you have to go raise, was this a large upfront capital to go build this? Did you have to raise money or was it something you guys were able to float? Um, no, we, we were able to float. I mean, I self-funded the, the software. Yeah. Um, I had a team, you know, that designed it and how okay. I wanted it. And so I, I self-funded that. Cool. And because our overhead was low, we were yeah. able to build. And mm -hmm. so ever since then, we haven't really required any capital because uh, we're profitable and, you know, our overhead is low. Best um, kind of business, man. Best kind of business. If you don't yeah. need the money, <laughs> right. don't, don't right. take it. <laughs> and we've, we've been approached numerous times now. 
Yeah. And you know, it feels good to kind of be in a position to say, no, you know, we're okay, but thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. We're doing all right. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. man. Cool. So the other, th- maybe uh, Alex, you can um, educate us a little bit on uh, the test kit itself, how, how one would procure uh, sure. such a kit and just a little bit about, about what happens after they put that sample in the mail and the technology part of it. And then we can segue into actually looking at a sample report. If you're watching on YouTube or if you want to go watch on YouTube, we are going to do a screen share in a few minutes here and actually look at the report. But uh, help us understand a little bit about the process. I ordered the kit, a little bit about the, the magic that happens behind the scenes before the report is generated. Sure. So uh, the way we have it set up is, is customers simply go to nutritiongenome.com. Here's the kit, by the way, if you're looking. Yeah. There's a DNA kit. You order it online. It's shipped to your house. It's a saliva sample. So it's a, a cheek swab. It takes just a few seconds. You send it back to our lab. Within about approximately five weeks, you'll get an email notification that your results are in. Sign into your online dashboard, and that's where you'll see the nutrition genome report. So it's 50 plus pages uh, based on eight different sections of health. Yep. And when you kind of gather that information, you have the option to, if you're seeing a practitioner or you want to find one, we have uh, referrals on our site for different cool. practitioners. That's great. Uh, you want to do a deep dive. Yeah. Yep. So is it your lab, your scientists that, that do this analysis or is oh, it? Oh, no. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, it's a separate lab it's, that yeah. uh, we can sub it out. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So pretty simple. I've got the kit here. It's just a little cheek swab. You mail it in. It goes for, for analysis. And I've seen the PDF report. There, are, there is also a, a web portal. Presumably that's where a lot more information is being built and added and education over time. Right. It's a lot, so you can find a qualified practitioner who can then help you start to put the pieces together, potentially also a practitioner who can look at some of the, of the other history on your health and, and maybe start to look at some of your blood work. That's where Heads Up Health can come in, and um, we, we may do some integration work at some point down the line. Yeah, it, it all sounds really straightforward and simple. I'm excited to actually um, get my results. I've, I've, I've done a lot of my own trial and error stuff, quite honestly, to figure out what works. I know what blood markers I have to keep an eye on. Homocysteine is a big one for me. So there's definitely some methylation stuff going on. And I know if I'm not taking certain supplements, my homocysteine goes out of range high. And I've tested a bunch of different diets to figure out like what works best for me personally. So I've done it through trial and error, but I'm really excited to get the genetic component as well. And then I can go back to a lot of my doctor friends and um, pester them to help me figure out what this report means. So Nasha will get a call and and I'm sure a handful of others. So uh, it should be fun. Yeah. So let's take a look at the report, Alex. Uh, There's a green button on the Zoom screen that says share screen just in that bottom uh, menu bar. And uh, again, if if you want to see this on uh, online, go ahead. We're going to put this on YouTube. Can you just maximize this window? Yep, perfect. And uh, there we go. So now we're looking at the sample report and uh, take us through it. Sure. So what we do to make this a lot easier to assimilate, not only show you how to read the report, but we actually put in uh, information right in the beginning, the first few pages here that gives takeaways. Yeah, your key takeaway. So your entire report is put into genetic strengths mm-hmm. and genetic weaknesses. Yep. So for example, in your strengths on, on this sample report, it shows, you know, you have, this person has a, a better conversion of plant-based omega-3s mm-hmm. um, to EPA and DHA. 
uh, improved transportation of folate, vitamin D levels more likely to be in range, lower risk of iron overload. So it goes into digestion, methylation, hormones, neurotransmitters, antioxidants and inflammation, toxification, DNA damage protection and repair, and then cardiovascular and bone health. So Alex, those- are you familiar with the organic acids test yes. in the functional medicine realm? Uh-huh. Uh, it seems yeah. like there's a lot of similar areas that are analyzed in the urine metabolites. Yeah, that's an excellent test to take with this. I think it, it is one of the best ones, actually, to kind of give you a, a great idea of, okay, this is what it says. What is, you know, is it relevant? Is it not? That'd be awesome because, like, yeah. you, you can then say, okay, the, the organics is, is suggesting stuff around neurotransmitter levels and, and, and methylation, and it's then it's then corroborated by this report as well. And you just have a stronger case in terms of how you design your approach. Yeah, exactly. I mean, looking at, you know, different vitamins, um, you know, B6, um, there's a gene in there that shows, you know, if you're likely to be lower in B6, you know, and you can test your B6 levels or look at your B6 intake. Yeah. Um, So uh, that's all really helpful. Uh, Methylation, you know, if you're seeing, if you need, there's MTHFR, for example. Yep. increased need for B2 and methylfolate to kind of stabilize that gene. I have that one there, the homocysteine one. Yep, the 6C677T. Yeah. So, yeah, all really important. Um, neurotransmitters. Um, I, to me, one of the most important sections, I think, and most fascinating Absolutely. Yep. Of, of this report is showing you your base level in terms of your serotonin, dopamine, glutamate, GABA. <clears throat> all of those, it, th- this is, I've found to be so accurate in terms of understanding how you react to stress. You know, what does your body do in those cases? How, how, how do you behaviorally act, you know, when that happens? Oh, my goodness. This is just incredibly um, powerful in terms of behavior analysis. Yeah. Understanding, okay, there's, there's a genetic reason why you, you have uh, ADD, mental health issues, yeah. and you're not – there may be other ways to attack this rather than just throwing medications at this thing. As I mentioned to you, Alex, we spoke to Carrie Brown previously, who's, who's very open and transparent about mm-hmm. her battle with, with bipolar disorder and mm-hmm. the medications that she was on, how awful they were, just be, right on the border of being locked up, quite yeah. honestly. And it was finding her genetic data that, mm-hmm. that, that, that set her free. Yeah. And, and, and one of the comments she made at the end of the show is how many people are in institutions and jails because right. they, they have a treatable mental disorder that can easily be identified with a simple test. I completely agree. And um, the, the glutamate and GABA and the dopamine genes, I mean, they have been profound in terms of understanding mental health, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when you start to look at these patterns in people and what they experience, like, for example, glutamate you know, is excitatory, GABA is calming. Mm-hmm. And there are an umbrella of disorders that are connected to glutamate imbalances. And so you start to look at bipolar, you start to look at, um, you know, even like OCD, certain things where there's these uh, neurodegenerative, so Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, yep. uh, even MS, you know, they all have this kind of this glutamate component to them. Yep. And you look at dopamine. So you go too high, and too low with, with glutamate, you go too high, it's really excitatory, too low, full on depression. Yep. And you see these nutritional cofactors that are involved in making sure that these are all modulated. Yep. And toxicity and deficiency play an enormous role mm-hmm. in understanding why these are flipping around. Mm-hmm. And when you target which ones they are, you start to understand it. So Alex, you mentioned that there are practitioners available to help mm-hmm. people. And, and right. I'm assuming that the practitioners are qualified enough to look at this data and, and start to make the 
conclusions, if you will, around how it maps back to things like mental health disorders. I mean, that that's no joke when you start getting into that yeah. stuff. And so people can get access to, to practitioners to help them through this mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So the list of practitioners we have now, you know, they've all been vetted. You know, these are people I've all talked to. And are they organized by discipline? Like I'm, I'm a mental health expert, I'm a nutritional expert, or is it kind of across the board in terms of the practitioners you've, you've selected? It's across the board. That's where we like to go is to not only have it more narrowed down, but also have one in every city and state because yeah. a lot of practitioners can only practice in their state. Yep. And we have actually have a test coming out, an exam that kind of goes really far in depth on this whole report so that they, the practitioners can take that exam before we list them on the site. That's cool. Um, Certification program of some kind. Um, yeah, not like, you know, we're, we're certifying them, but that yeah. they've actually gone through it and that we approve, you know, yeah, that this I understand. For, okay, yeah. cool. Yep. So this next section here is your, your personalized DNA based on your results. Grocery list. I love it. Yeah. So these are the foods that have come up based on your genetic combinations Yep. where you see a higher need for certain foods. And yep. so when you start looking at these, you can kind of start to see and match up patterns essentially that makes sense yep and you'll start to really see that okay i have a really high need for folate for example yeah and these are the foods i need to be focusing on because folate is a spectrum there are multiple yep. types of folate in food yep. and so you can't just isolate it and well, you can't just take one supplement maybe you can yeah. but it, it, if you can get it in its natural package mm-hmm. there's so many other benefits to that yeah like uh, beets are an excellent example of just a powerhouse because not only that do they have methylfolate, they have betaine, mm-hmm. which is you know a, a backup to choline, uh, which helps the homocysteine cycle, and then it has these beneficial compounds for nitric oxide. Yep. So it's just you know so you, you just can't beat food. And there's B12, right? That's something <laughs> I have to focus on, and and there it is, pastured eggs, which I mm-hmm. buy. They're expensive, yeah. but I buy them. It's like mm-hmm. nine bucks a dozen. Yeah grass-fed meat, which I buy, and, and, and wild salmon. Those are all things on my list. So again, this just kind of distills it down. You can go look at the report and say, okay, here's the foods that I can choose. And, and if, a, if a certain food doesn't align with your particular uh, diet or lifestyle, there's, there's lots of other choices here. Exactly. In that same category. Yeah. And so as you're reading through your report, you'll see these kind of pop up and highlighted, and you'll start to see, okay, is this truly really relevant for me? Yep. Uh, and you do start to see those patterns. Mm-hmm. Same is true of the, the foods, drinks, toxins, additives to minimize or avoid. Now, depending on, on your level of, of education on nutrition, you know, some of these be, may be like, well, of course, you're supposed to avoid these things. Mm-hmm. But some people you know, don't really, aren't really aware of how damaging this may be for them. Yep. So when you start looking at things you know, that cause DNA damage, so if there's cancer that runs in the family, certain things that cause DNA damage may be more damaging to you yep. than it may be for the next person. So binge uh, drinking and smoking are out. That's unfortunate. I those see. are out. Yes. Yeah. Can't get away with those. Yep. Sadly, folks. Sadly. But, uh, you know, there's certain things like processed meats, you know, yeah. and we see the research on that in colon cancer. Well, yep. there are certain people that are much more prone to that, you know, leading to colon cancer. Yep. Possibility. So it, what I found when I worked with clients is that this really kind of hit them in the forehead and said, oh, wow, it shows here that I should really avoid these things versus when you kind of give these general recommendations to people, they're kind of like, yeah, yeah, I know. I need to eat broccoli. Yeah. I shouldn't eat so much, you know, uh, yeah. cured meats. Makes whatever. it much more tangible. Much more tangible. You're like, okay, this is specific to me. And that's cool. why I think this is so key 
for the nutrition field because now you're finally customizing it to the industry. And this is, this, is, this is bringing in your decades of, of experience working yeah. with thousands and thousands of people and right. then also looking at thousands and temple, thousands of, of, of genetic tests. And it's, it's the culmination of all of that work, I think, mm -hmm. that comes into this, which is wonderful. It is, yeah. We're bringing both the clinical and then all the published research together. So everything in the Nutrition Genome Report yep. is from published research. That's why I love talking to Nasha because she, she just gets in there and, and tells you how to do things. And she's like, I've looked at 10,000 sets of labs, maybe 20,000 sets of labs. And, and you just don't argue with that. You know, there's all of these squabbles online about how to, how to, how to do keto right or wrong. And it's like, listen, dude, <laughs> I've yeah. worked with 10,000 people, looked at 50,000 labs. Yeah. And, and that's where you really get stuff that is like like cutting through the noise. Yeah. And I think that's why we've worked so well together because we, yeah. we both kind of have that same. You're both the same way. Well, you both have similar backgrounds where just taking decades of clinical experience and then bringing solutions to market that are, that are tried and tested in the trenches and retested in the trenches and then remapped against the latest technology, the latest research, the latest findings. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. This next section here, your personalized blood work. So again, this is triggered from gene combinations. So it's not saying yeah. that you're going to be out of range, yep. but that it may be of interest to you, maybe interest yep. to your doctor. Yep. And I found these to be consistently accurate. Yep. Um, you know, again, yeah, looking over it before we even put this to market, I was, I was cross-referencing thousands of, of clients with their genetics and their blood work to yep. say, is this true? And these are the things that we, we re realize are true. Well, if I'm waxing, if I'm waxing philosophical here for, mm -hmm. for a moment, Alex, I think the potential for Heads Up Health, which, which is pulling in the data from all of these different EMR systems, cleaning it up, normalizing it so, so people have all of their blood work. And if there was ever opportunities for us to, to start cross-referencing things, mm -hmm. yeah. that would, I think, be just incredibly exciting because we, we want to bring the blood test component to the table we also want to bring the lifestyle component to the table, heart rate variability, sleep quality, blood sugar, all of those things. So when, when, our, when our databases have a baby together, it's going to be a really, really beautiful baby. I couldn't agree more. I mean, what I'm so excited about is I want to push this field to the epigenetic, epigenomic realm. Yep. And essentially that requires everybody talking to each other. Yeah. Um, so we really get somewhere with this information because it's truly fascinating information. Cool. So uh, other things you want to touch on here, Alex, in the yeah. report. So let me kind of, I'm going to scroll down to the mental health section. So you can yeah, this is huge. Works. It's just, yeah, incredibly prevalent right now in the discussions around what's just current in, in modern world. And we just had a really, really powerful guest on the show who talked a lot about how to become your own detective and, and how to start working on this stuff. So it, it's very relevant. I'd, I'd love to segue into the, um, mental health stuff here yeah let's take a look so here's what the table looks like as it's generated so yep. the normal heterozygous homozygous for those who don't know normal is also called the wild type it's the most common genotype in the current studied population heterozygous variant means you have one variant from one parent mm -hmm. homozygous means you have a variant from each parent typically homozygous variants are more relevant in terms of changing the gene function yep but a normal or wild type doesn't always mean a better genotype. It's not about better or worse. A lot of these are trade-offs. Yep. And you understand how they work. You know, it's not just, well, I have this negative mutation. Well, if you understand why there is a variant or mutation, there's often a trade-off that's doing a positive and a negative. 
And that's from years or thousands of years of adaptation. Mm -hmm. So let's look at, for example, ANKK1COMT. So both of these have to do with dopamine. Uh, first one has to do with dopamine receptors. Second one has to do with the actual gene involved in breaking down dopamine and adrenaline. It's also the estrogen pathway. So if we look at these, we're thinking, okay, this person has a heterozygous gene here and three heterozygous genes in COMT. There's going to be a, a definitely a connection to this person for dopamine. Um, and so as we scroll down, we start to look at, okay, dopamine receptors. Here's what improves gene function. And here's what decreases gene function. Meditation, balanced blood sugar, sufficient vitamin D levels, omega-3 fatty acids, fiber, high intensity exercise, low media exposure. All good stuff to me, man. Yeah. So what's really fascinating about this one is, is dopamine receptor density is linked to things like sugar addictions, compulsive eating, obesity. All of these are linked to these having lower density of dopamine receptors. And essentially what they found in research is a lot of times these people don't learn as easily from their mistakes. Yep. And so ADHD, ADD are also connected to dopamine receptors. Mm -hmm. And when you can look at that and say, okay, how do we improve this gene? If we have a variant here, they're likely to have lower do uh, density of dopamine receptors. So yeah, you look at their vitamin D, you make sure they're eating balanced meals. They're not just living on carbohydrates. Well, yeah, you look at all these people who probably have, have low density dopamine receptors, and then the food that we're eating is, is a train wreck. Yeah. You know, blood sugar is going through the freaking roof, so you just basically pour gas on that fire. Mm -hmm. So this, that's where this stuff becomes so helpful to see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You see, okay, we know, do they have high copper levels? Are so their omega-3s yeah. too low? Yeah. Um, iron deficiency, you know, all of those, you start to see their behavior and you start to see the connection and then you correct. Awesome. Um, COMT. So this is a, a very, you know, it's, it's up there with MTHFR in terms of popularity of understanding, hearing about it. Um, and COMT essentially is the pathway that breaks down catecholamines. So that would be coffee. Um, that'd be wine, black tea, green tea. Now, why are certain people more sensitive to coffee or caffeinated drinks or, or these drinks with catecholamine? It slows down this gene. So, if, for example, if you're stressed, that's slowing down this gene that's building up your adrenaline and your dopamine, right? You're in a heightened state. Now, when you drink coffee, that slows that state even more, creating more circulating dopamine, more circulating adrenaline. More anxiety. More anxiety, right? More yep. just kind of a feeling of panic. Yep. And magnesium and vitamin C are the cofactors. They both modulate those. So what you can have a, if this deficiency of the two and a toxicity, which those two deficiencies are actually very common. Magnesium is a very common deficiency. Yep. And then you have this kind of heightened state of mind with you know, eating a certain way or drinking a lot of coffee that just kind of spins you out. And the people who get stressed and get angry, they have that kind of anger response. That's a COMT response. That's CMT going too slow. My dopamine adrenaline's out of control. Yep. You get angry, you get irritable. So you now you know. You're like, okay, this explains it. This is why I don't, I don't break down these catecholamines fast enough. Okay, it's right here. Here's, yeah. here's, the, here's the genetic traits. It's been surfaced yeah. in the report. Here's some of the things I can do to offset that. Exactly. Now, the next one, really fascinating, glutamate to GABA conversion. Mm -hmm. And this, this one in particular is what I feel like really – kind of paved the way for everything else in this report. This was one of my first findings in terms of understanding uh, patterns in family. When I started seeing heart attacks, ADHD, OCD, um, Alzheimer's in the same family, I'm like, these are all connected. How are they all connected? 
they were all connected from glutamate. So different conditions, but you're, you're, you're seeing these, this cluster of conditions within a family and you're like, there's got to be a common link there. Is that exactly. what you were thinking? Yeah. And so you'll see down uh, below and a few paragraphs down, all these neurodegenerative disorders, they're all connected to these, these kind of glutamate GABA imbalances. And so when you talk to people and you say, you know, they say my mind won't shut off at night, that's glutamate imbalance. Caffeine actually inhibits GABA and increases glutamate. That's what you're feeling. You're feeling a high. In the right amounts, it's, it helps cognitive function, but it too much, it's very damaging. I've been pounding a, a dark roast Starbucks here throughout the entire conversation. So. <laughs> well, maybe you can handle it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this one, I, I think, you know, again, this is B6 and magnesium are those nutritional cofactors. So 22% of all enzymes in your body require nutritional cofactors. Yep. And if B6 is too low, magnesium is too low, that glutamate staying high for too long. And now if glutamate is plummeting, you're going to get depression. If it's spiking, you're going to get mania. Mm-hmm. And you know, people feel different levels of that, and some people feel much higher levels of each one. And we can start to look at these pathways, these glutamate GABA pathways, as, as a, a great clue. So beautiful. I'm just already, my mind just is, is, is constantly just saying, okay, now how do, I, how do I take this data and how do I go get my blood work at LabCorp? How do I take these recommendations, start to, start to put the pieces together for myself? That, that's becoming your own detective. You know, some people hate the word biohacking, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. But you can start to go do this and start to put these pieces together. That's, that's what Carrie Brown did. She's like, okay, I went and figured all this stuff out for myself. She, she did have a practitioner who was working with her, which is incredible. But yeah, the, the correlation with the lab tests, like you said, to mm-hmm. know if the interventions are causing the epigenetic switches to move in a favorable direction. That's yeah. where I just get excited about correlating this data with, with the lab test results. Well, you know what's fascinating too is you can start to look at exercise in terms of, you know, people a lot of times ask, is there a genetic part of, of what, what exercise is best for me? Yeah. And I kind of say, well, you know, it's, it's, it's really not you're genetically wired to be just this way, but I think different types of exercise influence your body in different ways. Yeah. And so for mental health, for example, glutamate is a great example. I've always consistently saw people who had these kind of really high glutamate levels that are attracted to endurance exercise or running. Yeah. And you start to look at the literature and you realize that that, that helps drain that glutamate from the brain and use it wow. as fuel. Oh, Jesus, man. You start to figure out why you've become the person you are. And it's this yeah. underlying trait. Right. Right. And dopamine, adrenaline people, they'd like to do things at a little more high intensity because it's an adrenaline response. It's something yep. fast. Maybe it's MMA. Yep. You know, maybe it's weightlifting. But you'll yep. start to see these kind of, com- you know, why are you attracted to this type of exercise? That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So very fascinating information. Really helpful if you're lost trying to figure out, you know, why do I have these mood swings? Why do I feel this way? Yep. You start to make sense of it, which puts you in the driver's seat now. It's no longer this is incredible. This, this is not an expensive test as well, Alex. So uh, what, what does the test cost? It's $299. Yeah. It's a good investment. Absolutely. Good investment. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. And the rest of the report, I mean, essentially you're looking at inflammation, antioxidant protection. So, you know, this is really important for those people who may be more sensitive to chemicals. Mm-hmm. You know, we start to see that with lung health and people who are more sensitive, you know, smoke, why do certain smokers get cancer? Others don't. Yep. Start to see it's you know potentially connected to glutathione levels. Yep. 
So we look at genes with glutathione, superoxide, dismutase, cattle. Yeah, so if you're not producing enough glutathione because of some genetic mutation and you're a smoker, you're at higher risk than someone who just is genetically fortunate to be like a glutathione producing machine. Exactly. Exactly. And, and what we know is that the people who live the longest have the highest glutathione. Yep. And we know that environmental toxins, stress, all deplete glutathione. So you can start to look at, again, narrow down, where do I need to focus? And then what do I need to improve? So if your glutathione needs to be lifted, there are a lot of ways you can do that. Awesome. And you can test. You know, yep. there's a lot of tests you can do to kind of help narrow that down. Yep. Wow. This is incredible stuff, man. So why don't we, uh, how are we doing for time here? I want to be mindful of your time, Alex. Yeah. I'm not really sure, actually. It's, uh, we've, we've, we've got about uh, five, five or ten minutes here. Okay. Well, why, don't, why don't we segue a little bit? I know you've, you've talked a lot about mental health, but um, some of the biggest applications that you see out there, I mean, mental health being a huge one. Uh, I know Dr. Winters uses this when she's designing her nutritional interventions for cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. So take us through some of the – there's obviously – any, any number of directions this can go, but if you had to bucket some of the top applications and, and where this can be incredibly helpful, especially for people who are listening and yeah. maybe on a path where they're trying to work things out on their own, they may be working with some functional, some conventional, and yeah. haven't quite gotten there yet. They're, they're, still, they're still not getting better. So if you had to bucket like the top three or four areas where – where there's just profound success or top applications, where, where might you start? I think that would be the, the digestion section first, because you can start to see different macronutrient profiles in terms of this person's going to do well on a higher fat, this person is going to do more poorly on a higher yep. fat diet um, or fasting in general. Yep. Certain types of saturated fats are going to be possibly more sensitive to. Yep. Um, so you start to like kind of, you start to really put together their, base macronutrient profile and, 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 and gut health and digestion arguably uh-huh. is at the root of everything so, everything yeah everything and there's that huge gut mental brain you know mental health connection yep. so you always start with digestion um, getting that really you know dialed in and then i would say meth- the methylation section combined with the neurotransmitter mm-hmm. section is yeah. so important yeah. the methylation i mean this section here is if you were to look at the base of understanding epigenetic switches it's it's really at methylation yep and so you're looking at folate, choline, B12, B6, and B2, and betaine. Essentially, those are the big ones that have the, the, uh, the biggest influence on those switches. Yep. Um, and so when you can kind of dial that in, you start to make a lot of sense of things that are going on. Yep. Um, and then, this of course, not well. only, um, this is not only for people who are sick. I mean, th- this, is, this, is, this is disease prevention. And this is quality of life that can help you avoid even getting in a situation where you have to use this to, to, to fix an issue. Yeah. I mean, that really is how it, it also kind of started is I, I started to want to look at these family patterns. Mm-hmm. And before, you know, what people were told is, well, it's genetic. You can't really do much about that. You know, you have heart disease in your family, you have diabetes. And I just never agreed with that. And what this told me, like when I had this done for my whole family or my wife's family even, is I wanted to look at patterns and I wanted to say, how can we prevent these patterns from occurring anymore? And then how can we influence the next four generations? Yep. Uh, because that's what epigenetics does. Your, how you live your life, what you do will influence the next four generations. Yeah. And that's powerful. 
And so that's really where you start to take more ownership and responsibility for what you're doing with yourself, because essentially your kids are going to be influenced by that. Alex, is, is any of this covered by um, insurance? Probably not, but that would be one question. Are you starting to see any adoption of this within the conventional medicine realms, or is it primarily in the functional realms right now? I think it's, it's starting to break into the conventional realms. It's, it's fairly new. It's a new yep. field. And that, as you know, that takes a while to sure. get into the conventional realm. The schools and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah but it's, it, the reception from, from MDs has been un- overwhelmingly positive. Awesome. Which is, to me, exciting. And yep. you know, the NDs, functional medicine practitioners, are, are, they've been on this for a few years. Yep. But they're starting to see that this really is the future. Yep. Um, in terms of, of taking it to that next level. And I think when they can start to do that with, you know, even the medications that are being used, that they start doing genetic testing before they give these medications, understanding how somebody is going to react. Mm-hmm. We're going to save, I think, a lot of lives too. Wow. Amazing. All right, Alex. Well, this has been incredible. I think we can uh, keep it very succinct here. And I think we've, we've, we've covered everything I was hoping to do in terms of getting this introduced to the Heads Up Health community. So thank you for your incredible work that you're doing, first and foremost. I'm very excited about the potential for our companies to partner we, in, in whatever capacity that ends up being. So looking forward to those discussions. And I want to make sure that everybody uh, at Heads Up Health, who's one of our users, gets this information, understands how to use this information in terms of becoming an empowered patient. So we'll be really excited to, to help promote the great work you're doing. So. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for your time. I'll get you back to your day. It's been a great pleasure having you. Thanks, Alex. Oh, you bet. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for listening to Data Driven Health Radio. 